By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion, or that's when we remembered Jerusalem. On the poplars, we hung up our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said to us, sing one of the songs of Zion. Well, they were the songs of praise and worship that we used to play on our harps in the temple. But how can we sing the song of the Lord while in a foreign land? Can you feel their cry? Can you hear the lament, the suffering, the pain that's expressed in those words? I love the way this image captures it. And I have to say that there have been times over the last month when I've not felt like picking up my guitar and leading happy, joyful praise and worship songs. What I've really wanted was a hurdy-gurdy and a good dirge to express how I was feeling and what was on my heart. When we open any passage of the Bible, it's always good to ask about the context. Who was it written by? Where was it written? When was it written? And perhaps, most importantly, why? So a little about the context of Psalm 137. Who was this passage written by? And I'm sorry, you're not going to get any marks for Boney M. And I'm not actually going to give you any points for the Melodians who wrote the original tune. When you look back at earlier translations of the Bible, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they attribute Psalm 137 to the prophet Jeremiah, but actually, we don't know who wrote this song. But it's found its way into the hymn book of the Israelite people. It's found its way into their culture, into their thinking and into their worship and their liturgy. So this is really the song of the Israelite people. And we know where it was written. Unusually for a psalm, it tells us, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down. Babylon these days is in southern Iraq, so the rivers that the psalmist is talking about are the river Tigris and the river Euphrates. Here's a picture of the Tigris running through Baghdad today. They were the rivers of Babylon where they sat down and wept. And we know when it was written. Sometime after 587 BC, you see in 587, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon sacked Jerusalem. He pretty much raised it to the ground. He demolished the temple, the place of God, and he reduced it to ruin. He took the people of Israel into captivity in Babylon. Now, it's difficult to understand from our perspective how devastating this would have been to the Jewish people. Their identity and their value was so highly bound up with this city, with Jerusalem, with the temple and with the land. To see it raised to the ground, to sit amongst the rubble, and then to be taken into a foreign culture as slaves was ruin. It was complete devastation. In fact, it was to become one of the defining stories of the Old Testament and the Jewish people. There's the story of the Exodus and there's the story of the exile. Exile, a time when we are far from home. A time when they felt bereft and ruined. It's actually possible to feel far from home in other ways. Exile doesn't only have to be geographical. It's possible to feel a great sense of spiritual exile. 
And I guess many of us are feeling this way at the moment. We're at home all the time. We're within our homes, socially isolating, but feeling a deep sense of spiritual exile. A disconnection from our friends, from our communities, from our work colleagues, from our place of worship. So exile isn't always geographical. And what we get in Psalm 137 is this cry of a people in exile. It's an honest cry of the heart and a healthy faith is always honest. You know, it's uh, amazing how many times people will come to me and say, I'm really sorry, I'm feeling like this, but... Or, or can, I, can I say that? I'm sorry, but... Why are you apologising? It may be this person has just lost a job or is struggling with their marriage or a relationship or they're experiencing grief. Why are you apologising for feeling what is a natural, healthy human emotion? A healthy faith is always honest and allows us to express the full range of human emotion and experience. You know, cultures and churches often have unwritten rules about what is acceptable and what isn't. I don't know whether you've ever done this. I know that I have. But when you turn up to church and put your church face on, because it feels like joy is the only emotion that's acceptable in this place. I've heard some people say that you should leave your troubles at the door when you come into church. No, no, don't do that. Bring your whole self. Come before God and be honest. Bring your hurt, bring your pain, your doubt, your questions. Come and be honest. A healthy faith is always an honest faith. I don't know if you remember back in the summer and our August all-age services, we looked at this film, Disney Pixar's Inside Out. If you haven't seen it, I thoroughly recommend it. It's a fantastic animated insight into human emotions and the importance of all our emotions for a healthy psyche and a healthy life. There's anger and there's disgust and there's fear and there's sadness and then there's the main character, Joy. And Joy wants to keep everyone bouncy and happy. And she struggles to work out what's the point of the other emotions. But most of all, she struggles with sadness. She can't find any useful purpose for sadness. During the course of the film and as the story unfolds, we discover how important sadness is for the whole of life. We discover how important it is to be able to express the sense of grief and loss. Grief and loss. We need to be able to express our sadness. If you haven't seen the film, well, it's well worth watching. And as Joy comes to realise that sadness is an essential part of life. It's important to realise that expressing these emotions is not about a lack of faith. In verses 5 and 6 we read, If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. The psalmist is saying this is not about forgetting Jerusalem. Not about forgetting the city and all that it stood for. About forgetting faith. Rather, the lament expressed is expressed within the context of faith. This is not a lack of faith. But there is another side to lament. It's not just about the personal expression of grief and loss, but it's also about the corporate recognition of what is wrong within society. What is broken and what's standing in the way of human flourishing. 
I love this quote from Kathleen O'Connor. Lament names what is wrong, what is out of order in God's creation. What keeps human beings from thriving in their full creative potential? In this way, simple acts of lament expose these conditions. It names them. It opens them to grief and anger. And it makes them visible for remedy. I love that last line. It makes them visible for remedy. It's about naming what is wrong. Because it is in the way of human thriving. To name it, to own it, to speak it out. All of the anger and the grief has to be named, not only for its own sake, but to prepare a way for healing. This is not just aimless deconstruction, naming what's wrong with life or with the church or with society. Anyone can do that. But the real art is exposing it and naming it in order to make it visible for remedy, to prepare a way for healing. A few weeks ago, Sarah and I watched this film. Official Secrets is the story of Kathleen Gunn, played in the film here by Kira Knightley. Kathleen was an analyst who worked at GCHQ, translating messages but she chose to become a whistleblower over the legality of the Second Gulf War. She chose to tell the truth, to break the Official Secrets Act at a great risk to herself. But she only did so, she only told the truth, she exposed it to the light so that it could be made right. And that is a dimension of lamenting, naming what is wrong, preparing the way for healing. I don't know whether you remember this sticker. It began to appear on albums back in the 1990s, gangster rap albums in particular from LA or from Compton. And you know, the moral majority in America and in the UK got worked up because of the offensive language used in these albums. But they missed the bigger point. They missed the fact that this music was bubbling up from an underprivileged, overlooked, excluded, marginalised and disempowered community who were expressing their hurt and their anguish and their pain. And yes, they were naming the injustice felt by the community. And we missed it because we were primarily worried about the fact that they dropped the occasional F-bomb. Well, sometimes language like that is appropriate. It expresses the pain and the hurt. Sometimes it's necessary to use language that grabs attention because the situation deserves it. And I think that's what we get in the last couple of verses of this psalm. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. The Edomites were allies of the Babylonians. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Ouch. Yes, folks, that is in the Bible. And perhaps now is a good time to remind you that the Psalms are not theology. They're a cry from the heart, a cry from a people who'd been massacred and taken into captivity, who'd been uprooted and who had the boot of empire on their neck. 
This is the cry from the heart. God, meet out vengeance on our captors. Each evening at about 10 o'clock, Sarah and I sit down to watch the 10 o'clock news and catch up on the latest developments. I'm sure many of you are doing the same thing. We watch to hear the scientists and to listen to the statistics, to look for the moment when numbers will begin to drop in the hope that lockdown will be lifted. And you know, numbers and graphs and analysts, they're important and they need their part They need to be listened to, but emotions need expression, not analysis. Suffering is not an intellectual exercise. It belongs in a different category. Statistics talk to the head. They give us numbers. They give us data. They try to work it all out. But there's another voice that we need to hear, the voice of the heart. The human soul cries out for another expression, It's not about the head, it's about the heart. It's not rational. And in the West, as we've begun to reject religion in favour of rational thought and argument, we've lost that part of ourselves. You know, healthy religions have always had a place for us to cry out and express our pain. Religious rituals, liturgies, songs and practices give us space to open up the heart, to feel and give expression to all of life its joys and its pain. In the Jewish tradition, they have a festival each year in August, Tisha B'Av. It's a time to mourn, a time when they remember the destruction of the temple, their time in exile, and they read Psalm 137 together as part of the festival. It's a time to remember and mourn together. They remember their times of suffering and as a people, but they also bring their personal suffering and loss and name it before God. Religion at its best has always provided space for the expression of loss. When times are hard, we often look to artists to help us. Music and the arts have a way to open us up, open these spaces We're so very fortunate today that two artists from our community have allowed us to use their work as part of our service today. Two works of lament. John Featherstone has allowed us to use a track of his called Motherless Child. It's a setting of an African-American spiritual song that he performs on his seven-string guitar, and it is a song of lament. And Paul Sanders has allowed us to use a series of his photographs called Fragile Beauty that, again, I think are a beautiful expression of lament. We're going to hear those in a few minutes as we reflect together and as we find ways to express the emotions that we're feeling at this time. But exile didn't last forever for the Jewish people. When Psalm 137 was written, when they sat on the banks of that river, they thought that perhaps this was their lot for life, that it would never end. But it wasn't. It did end. And actually, when they looked back on that time in their history, they discovered it was an incredibly creative time for the nation of Israel. It was a time when the temple had been destroyed. The place where they went to worship had been ruined but they actually discovered that God wasn't in the temple, that he could be found with them in exile, that he was with them in this new place. And it actually birthed the synagogue movement. 
They wouldn't have the modern synagogue movement without this time of exile. And like them, we may not be able to meet together physically, but God is with us by his spirit. We read in the New Testament that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit and that wherever you are, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, God is with us. The building might be closed, but the church is always alive and well. God is with us. He's not found in one particular place, but he is with you. So to recap Psalm 137, a healthy faith is always honest. And lament is a naming of what is wrong, both within and without, to prepare the way for its healing. We need expression as well as analysis. And finally, lament is often a creative time. And I think there's lots we're seeing at the moment during this time, lots that is good. A rediscovery of community relationships and a care for one another. A reprioritizing of what we understand as key workers and their importance in society. We're driving less and we've stopped flying and the, the environment is being given chance to recover and pollution levels are dropping. There is a lot of creativity that I sincerely hope will remain with us when all this is over. We won't go back to normal as it was, but I hope we'll find a new normal. That many of the creative good things that we found will be taken into whatever lies beyond this crisis. So friends, it's a tough time at the moment and we're all finding it challenging. It's not right. This virus is in the way of human flourishing and it is okay to name the pain, to lament. There is a place here for crying out to God, for honesty, for saying, God, this is tough. This is a challenge. This is difficult. And that's good and that is healthy. And that is faithful to the journey of faith. Express honestly before God how you're feeling. Name it because it is the way through to healing and wholeness and health on the other side. Who knows how long this will go on for, but it will not last forever. And we're not going back. Good will come from this, even if we can't see it now. So friends, this week, may you find space to honestly express how you're feeling to God. May you realise that pain and suffering is not an intellectual exercise, but belongs to a different category. It needs expression, not analysis. So friends, lament. Name it, expose it to the light, not for its own sake, but so that you may make it visible for remedy and to prepare a way for healing. God bless you. Amen.